Hi, I'm Robert Irvine, and you're listening to Beyond the Plate with Cappy. I went through a phase of, oh, it's all about me, and it became very selfish. And I'd always given before. I'd done lots of charity work and whatever, but it was that time that I'm like, you know what? Grow up. It's not about you. It's about what you can do for others. Hey everyone, this is Cappy and you're listening to Beyond the Plate, a podcast where I sit down in person with the world's culinary elite to explore their journey into the industry and the social impact they have made in their community. Every episode, we share inspiring stories of what it means to be in today's hospitality industry. This episode was recorded live at the 17th annual Food Network and Cooking Channel South Beach Wine and Food Festival in Miami, Florida at the Lowe's Miami Beach Hotel. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Martin's Famous Potato Rolls. Martin's was founded in the heart of Pennsylvania Dutch country in 1955. Where is Pennsylvania Dutch country? Because I always wondered myself. It's smack dab in between Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. Martin's Potato Rolls are the number one branded hamburger bun in America. And as I say, they can make almost any burger taste better. Hint, hint, Shake Shack uses Martin's. Martins believes in giving back to their community through volunteering time and donating resources. They support hundreds of charitable organizations such as food banks, after-school programs, disaster relief, and others that provide sustenance and comfort to people in need both close to their baking facilities and abroad. To learn more about Martins, visit their website at potatorolls.com or follow them on social media at potatorolls. Martins, we thank you. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Sir Kensington's Condiments. Sir Kensington's is on a mission to bring integrity and charm to ordinary and overlooked food. If you know me, you know I love Sir Kensington's. Their award-winning portfolio includes ketchup, mayonnaise, mustard, and a groundbreaking eggless mayo product called Fabinaise. Here's what that is. It's the first commercial product ever made from something called aquafaba. What is aquafaba? Great question. Aquafaba is actually the water left over from cooking chickpeas. It's a vegan product and it's delicious. And I personally know chefs that love this product. So check out Sir Kensington's Fabinaise. And are you ready? Ranch. The ranch revolution is underway. Sir Kensington's recently launched ranch dressing. Four flavors. Classic ranch, buffalo ranch, pizza flavored ranch, and an avocado oil ranch. It's not on shelves yet, but I needed to tease that because I'm a ranch freak. I've been handed the wording that each Sir Kensington's product is nutritionally conscious, uncompromisingly delicious, and non-GMO project verified. And I agree. To learn more about Sir Kensington's, visit SirKensingtons.com or follow them on social media at Sir Kensington's. Sir Kensington's, we thank you. Okay, back to it. For this episode, we sat with Chef Robert Irvine. What is there to say about Robert Irvine? There's definitely things you don't know because this man has like 55 projects at any given time in the works. He's a world-class chef. He's a fitness authority. And last but certainly not least, a philanthropist. Get this. Robert Irvine travels 345 days a year. That's crazy. Here's what Robert Irvine does. He seeks to inspire people. He's a tireless supporter of our veterans. You may know him from a couple of his Food Network shows. He's had Dinner Impossible and Restaurant Impossible. He has a health bar called Fit Crunch Bar. He has a food line. He owns gyms. He has a clothing line. He has restaurants. He has a tequila. 
This guy doesn't stop. He has three books. He's working on a fourth book. And he was once named one of the 25 fittest guys in America by Men's Fitness Magazine. In May of 2016, he launched Robert Irvine Magazine, which is a digital magazine that has healthy recipes, fitness advice, and motivation for success in all areas of life. And he's also a tireless supporter of our nation's military. He founded the Robert Irvine Foundation in 2014 to support the veterans and veteran causes that need the most help. He gives his time by attending troop rallies and by touring regularly with the USO. I'm going to stop. There's more this guy does, and you're going to pick up a lot of this in this conversation. But for now, please enjoy this conversation as we go beyond the plate with Robert Irvine. Personal connection. I've been with you on set for some of these kids cooking shows we've done, and I'm always impressed by your compassion that you have towards these kids. Because when you think of Robert Irvine, you don't think of a softie. For example, last night, I pretended to attack Guy Fieri, and he threw you in front of him, which I should normally be shaking in my boots, but I was like, why are you throwing a teddy bear in front of yourself? But don't say that, because the image, you'll shatter the image. Yeah. You know, I'm a roughy toughy. I work out with the military. I travel with them. Um, yeah, you know, here's the thing. Kids are amazing, um, and we never want to hurt kids, right? So when we do these shows, and I remember we're talking about I had to throw the first uh, child or, or young young man off a show with Rachel, and how do you let them down slowly, right? Because because that affects them in the future. I spend a lot of time with kids, uh, so so for me, I just love giving back to those to those kids, and they're so energetic and they're so un, untarnished. Hey, I like to be a teddy bear. I've got a new show coming with kids. Funnily enough, in the next couple of months uh, with CBS. But teaching kids how to do their businesses better and, and, and eat healthy. We have a new book coming out with kids. Yeah. So, so kids are a big part of my life. Not only do I have two beautiful daughters, but I love, and it's so funny, in Vegas, um, two days ago uh, at the restaurant, I had a woman who brought her daughter's daughter from Korea. She's active duty. Her uh, name's Mackenzie. And I, in Korea, I, was, I fell in love. She's like three years old, this little girl. Big Afro hair. She's amazing. She found out I was coming uh, to Vegas, so she bought the Mackenzie. And when she was driving up to the, to the hotel, she said, that's my friend Robert on, a big, you know, on the side of the building. And she just, you know, kids, kids are so impressionable, and we, we have an opportunity to shape their lives and give them good, better sure. stuff. So Yeah. So we're all down here um, at the South Beach Wine and Food Festival. What do, what do you love most about the food down here in Miami? <clears throat> Well, the food scene is so good here, you know, not only for food and wine, but Miami in general is so eclectic. And I think food, you know, people say to me, uh, where's the best seafood? Where's the best steak? I, you can't say that anymore right. in, any, in any city because it's, it's changed. We've, we've had chefs that have worked at good places, gone on, a, on their own, come back to their hometowns and, and opened restaurants. Uh, and I think Miami is so, if you want to get um, a great steak, great. If you want to get great seafood, you can get great seafood. There's no such thing as, um, what is Miami known for? Party. Good food and lots of it. Great Cuban coffee. I was and, waiting for uh, that. Yeah, oh, you can't <laughs> go wrong with Cuban coffee. So I, I, Miami is just a fun time for me. Food and wine is where we get to see uh, old friends, make new friends. Um, is there anyone uh, you look forward to seeing when you come back or anyone yeah, new I, that you haven't met? Well, I think there's always new people, right? Yeah. Whether it be on television or chefs coming through. But for me, it's a weekend of, hey, you get to see, uh, you know, Jose Andres and, and all the guys that, that I know. Um, 
Michael Mee, you know, just, just yeah. great guys that come together because we're all so busy. So when you get to, to, to hang out for a little bit and have a couple of drinks and uh, see what's going on and catch up, it, it's fun. So I know you're a good friend of Guy Fieri, as we said. He's my best man. I was going to say, yeah. there, was, there was an important role. Okay, I, I wasn't sure if it was you in his wedding or he was your best he man. He was my best man, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to flip the question I had. Is there a piece of advice that he gave you at your wedding? I don't think it was a piece of advice, <laughs> but, but it was certainly... But it was uh, a shot it of was, something. It was, it was a shot. <laughs> It was. I think it was uh, Jack Daniels, but anyway. Yeah, it's um, usually that or oh, Fernet you know, or something. Guy is, guy burst onto the scene. He's a bigger than life personality. Yeah. He's a good guy. Does great things for charities and, and sure. kids and our military. And uh, you know, yeah, it was an interesting wedding. Yeah, we, we were at a wine. <laughs> we were at uh, uh, Charles Krug Winery, and you can't have alcohol at Charles Krug. It's only wine or. Um, anything made from white so sake but we had a full bar in the crib kind of out the way him morimoto bo mcmillan it was yeah. just a, it was a great day and he also cooked my um you know the night before the wedding meal i don't know what they call that anymore but it was excellent that's great you've had dinner impossible restaurant impossible some of these impossible brands but personally speaking for you is there anything that is impossible for you i don't i don't like to think there is you know, I, I go into the world and, and kind of if somebody says do this, I say, OK, you know, when we launched the restaurant in Vegas, we wanted to make a, a big splash. And how do you do that in Vegas when you've got every chef? Right. So I jumped off a 28 foot building. Literally, I repelled off the Tropicana Hotel. And the funny part was we jerry rigged a, a T-bar. So there's nothing there. We just jerry rigged it. I said, well, we've got to have a practice because I don't know, you know, what's going to happen. So we got to the Tropicana. I literally harnessed up I got halfway down and the wind swung me around the, the, the hotel hit me against the wall got down and said okay we've got to do it again I need it because in the nighttime it was going to be done at night at 8 o'clock I would repel down go straight into a press conference but the side of the building was going to be used as a video screen to show Restaurant Impossible and all things we've done so the second time I got up there there was a helicopter filming and I was trying to be incognito because we didn't want anybody to know until the press conference. Well, all of a sudden, there's more helicopters. They thought I, there was a jumper off the roof. So it was, uh, it was interesting. <laughs> yeah, I'll say. But, so yeah, I don't think there's anything impossible. We try to do things and push the envelope and uh, sometimes it works, yeah, sometimes it doesn't. We're gonna get into some of that stuff. So right, I mean, right now you have a newish restaurant, as you said, in the Tropicana Hotel, Robert Irvine's Public House. You have a restaurant open, correct me if I'm wrong, at the Pentagon in Inside 2016. You have Robert Irvine's Fit Crunch Bar, a, a baked bar that you said is arguably the best protein bar ever made. You have Robert Irvine Magazine. You have Ro Robert Irvine Foods. And we have boardroom liquor. We have a whole liquor line. Yeah, we have tequila. This is probably half of what you do. Yeah. Do you ever take a day of rest? And if so, what does that look like? I think um, for me, we travel 345 days a year. Uh, I just literally from December the 22nd till today... We were in Spain, United Arab Emirates, Afghanistan, Iraq on Christmas Day, Poland, Cayman Islands, and I've just come back off a six-week world tour, literally four days ago, starting in Salem, Massachusetts, two places in Mexico, New York City, Switzerland, Italy, Ethiopia, Senegal, Casablanca, and Sri Lanka. That's insane. Yeah. And, I, and that, I hear that often when I'm around you, if there's someone who hasn't met you, but it's that you don't stop. And that's an incredible thing. So I want to remind you of something which you probably don't remember because this was ages ago, but you and I had a conversation before you were on TV, like early 2000s. Wow. And it was about TV chefs 
versus entertainers. And we talked, and uh, to be candid, you were quite tough on, yep. on people on TV. But you're on TV now, so what's changed? Okay, nothing's changed. <clears throat> I think there's a difference between a chef mm-hmm. and an entertainer, a TV chef, okay? We know what TV is. It's, 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 it's not real. You know, we, if we say we're going to make this dish, there's a thousand people making a dish and it's in steps and it's already done, right? Competitions. It's not like doing a movie where you read a part, six weeks you're on TV, bum, you're gone, right? Uh, George Clooney or name any actress or, or whatever you want. With a, TV, with, a, with a chef that's on TV, you're invited into somebody's house. It's entertainment te- or, or appointment television. We like Guy, we like Bobby, we like Judd, we like Rachel, we like whoever we like. We tune into them because we like them. And I think there's, a, there's a, a huge responsibility for us that are on TV to take what we have and use it for the betterment or the education of other people. You know, it, it's, it's entertainment, but it's also we have people that live and, and, and die by the words you say. Whether it's fitness, whether it's, it's you know, and I know Rachel, you, obviously we talk about Rachel, um, and, and people trust her. And there's, there's that trust factor that we say, okay, we're going to do this today and this is how easy it is and we'll go and do it. And that's a huge responsibility. And I think sometimes people on television don't remember that. You know, I did a show, a Dinner Impossible, early on in them years. And I remember Kevin Nealon was giving me this, this it was a prime golf in Vegas. Uh, and I was feeding the, the, the prime players and, and whatever. And I never forget these young kids waiting at the rail for the golfers to come out and it was Shaquille O'Neal and all these guys and nobody stopped to talk to the kids and these were like heroes of these kids and I was so upset because they'd waited and waited and waited they just wanted a picture or an autograph and and I know there's a lot of people out there that get autographs and sell them these were kids they were four or five year old kids you know and and I was so disappointed in and I try now, and I have done ever since then, to make sure that I stay for the last person. Even if we do a show for 5,000 people, I will stay and sign a picture until the last person is gone. And that's been my mantra all, all the way along. Um, Alton Brown, uh, I know uh, Rachel does it. But I think it's, it's, that's the people you look up to. Mm, absolutely. Um, and if you don't have that, and that's why I get, that's why I get upset with, with, with chefs on TV sometimes, because it's about them, or it becomes about them because we become famous. And then we forget where we came from. Tough, I'm still tough. Yeah. <laughs> Where'd you grow up? Or did you grow up all I grew over? up in Manchester, England. I moved to Salisbury, um, which is a, a big military town when I was six years old. Went to school there till I was 15 and a half. I took the Navy entrance exam at 15 and a half, joined the Navy at 16. I was so good. I was so smart. The English test was uh, one to five, five being the lowest uh, in maths and English. And I got a five, five. <laughs> I never forget the recruiter. The recruiter said to me, well, I've got some good news and bad news. He said, you're in the Manchester Royal Navy. And um, oh, by the way, you're going to be a cook. <laughs> and I said, yeah, that's great. Yeah. So was that, your first, was that your first foray into cooking? Yeah, I did. A, I started a, a home economics class when I was 11 years old because there was 30 girls in the class. And I thought, and this is the truth, I thought that I would get a girlfriend. I made my first dish, which was a quiche Lorraine. And the girls went out the window. I was, I was amazed that, that pastry, cheese, eggs, and some ham could make a quiche Lorraine and, and make people happy. And then I got so involved in, in cooking and um, obviously here I am today, but uh, I would go away on military ships. I was in the sea cadets before I joined the Navy for you know, five, six years. So weekends I would spend on a base, a marine base or on a warship. So that's how we fell in love with the military and, uh, and here we are now still. I spend more time with the military. We do about 150 days a year with the military worldwide to give back and let them know that we care about them. 
are you cooking when you go out there? I cook. I do a live show. Uh, we have a two-hour theater show that we do. Oh, that's there's, fun. There's cooking, but uh, we'll do workouts in the morning. We'll, we'll do a meal for them. 2013, we did a meal for 7,000 folks in Afghanistan. Wow. And the biggest... Uh, um, base in Kandahar, there was 36,000 troops in country then. The military is a huge part. Kids with cancer is a huge part for me. I want to get to all that social impact, but growing up in Manchester, was was food a big part of your family? Or no, what? my mother was a terrible cook. She was? Yeah. What did, the, um, what did the dinner table look like? Well, dinner table was, you know, it was ground beef, uh, mince, mince and french fries or, or chips, um, uh, fish and chips, curries, um, Stink kidney pies. My, my mother would buy more stuff than she would make because she worked. My dad worked. My dad was a meat and potato, little Irish guy. So, so there was nothing fancy. And I took him a quiche Lorraine that first time. Yeah. He's like, what is this crap? And I did that every home economics class. So, so growing up was never, from a food standpoint, very good. I used to eat uh, two boxes of cornflakes and a gallon of milk every day. <laughs> so that was my food, you know, even until I joined the military. And it's so funny because I wrote about that experience in a book. You know, my mother said, oh, the book's coming out. I'm so proud of you. And I said, well, there's something i got to tell you. Yeah. There's a whole chapter about your food. <laughs> and I never forget it because I asked my dad before he passed away, I said, is this true that you used to like your vegetables cooked so you could drink them through a straw? And I asked him seriously. And he said, no, because that's what my mother had told me. He said, no, but I've been married to your mother for 50 years. And whatever she says, I say, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay. There you go. That's so funny. We talked about you serving in the Navy and on ships and things like that. Is there anything that you learn that you, there that you still use to this day? Oh, yeah. I mean, the discipline and the, and the teamwork and the, and the leadership skills. And, and that's something that the kitchen uses a lot. We use it in business. But also the military is about a team of people achieving a, a common goal, right? And we have people in all walks of life. And that's why if you look at Restaurant Impossible, where we, we ask for volunteers to work, it's the same as the military. We have a group of people from all walks of life that don't know each other but have a skill set, and we have to get them all to work together to achieve that goal. In this case, restaurant was to fix the restaurant, but in the military, it was to work and do whatever operations we would do. And I, and I think that stayed with me in the 11 companies that we run. And, uh, you know, you talk about protein bars. Somebody said to me, oh, you can't make a protein bar. You're a chef. You know, it's in 74,000 locations. It's done really well. So I think the discipline, the teamwork, the loyalty connectivity of those folks and caring about them. And, and the military does that. You, you're, you're a bonded team. And I think our team uh, now, and I've been out in the military 20 plus years, you know, is, is like that team in the military. And, you know, you become very tight and you live, you, you, you eat, you travel, especially the way we travel. I'm just thinking about your schedule. How far out are you? Are you booking like years a year, out? A, a year. year. Yeah. And, and that still, and that still changes, you know, if, if, um, the chairman of Joint Chiefs um, just called me and, and uh, we'll, we'll go in April, we'll do a work. So we have to fit these things in. Uh, the chief of the Air Force said, would you look at uh, Malmstrom Air Force Base, um, the nuclear silos, how they're feeding, you know, because they live down these tubes. Uh, so we go out there. So anytime they call, we adapt if we can. How old are your daughters? Uh, my daughter, Annalise, is 20. She'll be here tonight. And my right. youngest one uh, is uh, 16, Talia. She's just uh, going to Temple University for pre-med. Uh, so they're very smart. They didn't get it from me. That's for sure. <laughs> are you, you do work in Philly, no? Well, we have an office in Philly. Yeah, um, that's what I But I, I actually live in, in Tampa. Okay. I'm not down there very often, but um, yeah. With chefs making not so great headlines recently do you have these talks with your daughters at all like do they say anything um they're, they're pretty listen when i my kids were homeschooled okay so luckily 
you know, I've not been in them environments. I worked with Trump for four years at casinos. I've not been in that environment of a restaurant that that, that is the way it's been in years uh, and why all these people have had issues. Uh, for me, and it's funny, that facade of that tough person, I've never been that approachable person, which makes it interesting. So when you work in a, in a, in a, in a casino, there's the chef, then there's all the sous chefs and whatever. So you have to go through all these people before you get to me. Got it. So, so you've never, I've never had been put in that position before. Uh, I've had lots of talks with uh, my kids about the way they behave. Okay. Right? Because we are watched. If they're out, you know, smoking, drinking, and by the way, they don't because they're 20 and 16. I'm not <laughs> saying they don't, they don't partake in a beer occasionally because they do, but they're normally with me. But they're good kids. So, again, people know who their dad is. Mm -hmm. So we, we always have this, you know, hey, just remember when you go out, you're representing not only your family, but also the military and all the contracts that we have. So, so uh, they're watched as much as I am. And they get it. Clearly fitness is important to you. How long do you train? Do you have strict eating habits? And how do you come to a festival like this? I this, is a, a, this is a bane on my training for sure. Um, I normally work out one hour a day and it's one body part. So I do 30 minutes cardio and I work one body part, four exercises. Uh, eating, I eat um, about seven meals a day, small meals, really? every two and a half hours. Uh, I drink tea, black tea and, uh, you know, listen, I drink tequila is my favorite drink, but I don't go overboard. I know, you know, it's kind of, again, that's a military coming back. You know when you've had enough and you say, okay, I've had enough, I'm going to bed. I do, you know, where, where young people, <laughs> not like it's old guys, yeah. can continue, I go to bed. So I know, I know that limit. I guess we weren't out super late last night, but it wasn't early. And it then you, I know you were up doing some media stuff before we're talking right now. Do you go off of like, are you good with I'm a few really hours? Good. I'm really good. Listen, we just did this six week trip and, and different time zones. I get three or four hours of sleep. I'm good to go. Yeah. Uh, my wife is like, I don't know how you do this stuff. I don't, you know, she's got to have a 12 hour sleep or something, you know. Yeah. Um, I think your body gets used to it, you know. So, yeah, we'll, we'll do this. I'll go for lunch with Bobby. I'll work out this afternoon and we'll do some meetings and uh, then we'll do it again tonight. You Back know? to it, right. I hear you. As we've talked about through, throughout this conversation, also important to you is giving back. Yeah. And it's a huge part of this podcast, social impact and, and community and things like that. So I want to touch on the Robert Irvine Foundation. Mm -hmm. What's the main focus? Of the main that focus is to take care of our military families, uh, wounded warriors and uh, kids with cancer. That's the that's the the mission statement to uh, to help those folks. So, what does it do? Well, we we are partnered with Gary Sinise, so Gary Sinise Foundation, Robert Irvine Foundation. We do about fifteen events together a year. So we do what we call Invincible Spirit Festivals. I cook for ten thousand at a time at the hospitals and and bases around the country. Gary puts on a concert. In fact, we're looking right now to do one in Germany, May time. And I think we raise money and we and we give out grants every year to build homes. I work with Gary. We give Gary a lot of money. Uh, we built 74 homes for civilian handicapped warriors. We buy dogs from puppies to be trained for post-traumatic stress. We have two right now, uh, Apollo and Reagan, that are being trained right in Tampa with Valor Service dogs. We fly people to you know museums, World War II museums, uh, to D.C. We buy things for you know the homes, welcome home parties for the troops. So so basically, we get a couple of thousand asks a year of, of money. We work with TAPS organization, transition assistance program, tragedy assistance program. So I think that we cook for, for 
gold star families you know it, there's an awful lot it's too much to say in 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 one breath but um we touch every facet of congressional medal of honor winners uh we do their dinners every year uh, special operations command we we literally do everything military and veteran and family driven what was your aha moment for this you grew up in in you know military and service but when did you realize that you had to get back? I think, and, and, and it's kind of interesting, and this will probably shock you, but or may shock you. You know, I'm this righteous guy that I just said about TV chefs, right? <laughs> so when I first started, and, and, and I never forget it, it was 2000 when we did actually hear the Food Network Awards. So first time I met Rachel, I sat there for six hours. It was the worst program on the planet. I remember oh, that. Oh, my goodness. At the Jackie um, Gleason Theater. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Dinner Impossible w- was a hit at that time. It was new because it wasn't a dump and stir cooking network. It was action. Uh, and I thought, oh, you know, you've made it. I was making, I don't know, $4,000 an episode or something like that. And I thought I was working five days a week and the two days we shoot the show. So I was still working in a casino five days a week. I went through a phase of, oh, it's all about me. And, you know, I got a nice car and I've still got two kids and a wife, you know, but became very selfish. And I'd always given before. I'd done lots of charity work and whatever, but it was, it was that time that I'm like, you know what? Grow up. It's not about you, it's about what you can do for others. And it was that moment that I threw myself into a lot more charity stuff, all military-driven and, and uh, kids-driven. We worked with Sinise and all these other folks, so I think three or four years, I can't even remember how long ago, it was for maybe four years we started the foundation, which to start a foundation is a lot of work, uh, a lot of paperwork and a lot of ridicule, a lot of scrutiny, and so there should be. But we give 100% of the money we make away. I pay for the charity at, you know, out of my own pocket. That's so incredible. stamps and everything else. Um, and, and people. And I think that was a, the kind of, hey, wake up, it's not about you. And since then, we work tirelessly. And I mean, if we get some spare days, I'm like, okay, where can we go? Food bank in Vegas. We can go, we can do some, you know, whatever it is, or we can uh, go and see some kids in hospital. Or I, I, I just think it's a, again, I talk about responsibility. You know, my kids go to, to soup kitchens. They work. I, I don't ever want my kids, because I never had it. They get I, it. You've instilled they, that yeah, on them. Okay. I, 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 I want them to understand there are people less fortunate out there, and we live that. You know, it, it's not something that somebody says because it's a radio show or a TV show. We live and breathe that, our whole team. So I think they, they have grown that way to understand that they're privileged. We get to come to Miami. We get to go to Disney. We get all these things that other people don't do. So A, respect it. Uh, and B, work for somebody else. And, and it's so funny because both of my girls are doing that. Like my 20-year-old Annalise has uh, just finished her. She's going to a doctorate, so it would be a master's in pediatric speech pathology. So she'll be going to Boston this year to do a, a, a doctorate. And my little one, as I said, was uh, is doing um, pre-med. So they're both into giving back to in medical field, but in a different way. Um, so, yeah, I think they get it. And I, and I think the more we do, the more fun it is. It really is. And I can tell you when I write a check or checks to give these folks away for the, for the different foundations, there's nothing, there's nothing like it. It's such an elating feeling when you're saying, oh, I've just... So we, we paid for a part of a bone marrow transplant. The young lady had stage four cancer. She actually passed away. And that was a huge like thing for me because I'm very close to their family. But we, uh, we, we made money to be able to afford that for them. So... I think that's what it is. That's the stuff that keeps on giving. I want to be very honest with you. I like, well, this sounds silly coming from me to you, but I've been stressed as hell for my work and different projects I have going on. And I knew I needed to like hit the ground running with like 
getting prepared for this interview and the other ones we have coming up. I was feeling cloudy. I was feeling a little stressed. And I'm like, all right, I'm just, I just got to start. I just got to do this. So I started reading the material on you. And I came across this paragraph in on your foundation website. And I wanted to read this because it literally gave me the chills reading it and just kind of like cleared all the crap out of my mind. It says, since the foundation's creation, we have fed over 125,000 wounded warriors and their caregivers through our partnership with the Gary Sinise Foundation, supported the building of smart homes for severely handicapped service members, and funded a number of local and regional programs designed to bring joy or lighten the burdens of our nation's heroes. You must be very proud. You got me crying, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I... I um you got me there, geez. Yeah, I, here's what I think. Um, I'm very proud, but I, but I think we can, there's always more. I, I look at these guys and girls uh, that are amazing. I mean, I've seen some that have, um, and not to put a downer, but, but have lost limbs and, and, and uh, marriages and families and kids through post-traumatic stress. And it brings me joy, and it really does, to go and go to a hospital with a dog and, and just sit and talk to him or, or somebody, especially uh, you don't hear so much about him now, but uh, that has just been injured on the battlefield. Not so long ago, 12 Marines in California uh, hit a gas pipe. I know the mother uh, and, and the Marines. So I, I just think any, any chance we have to, to do something, and yes, it's the military, but it's not only the military for me. It's, it's just, it can be the guy in the street. It just, we are put on this planet. And again, this is a, an epiphany, it's not new. Uh, I look at Jose Andres that does the same thing, right? So he's become a very close friend of mine. And, you know, what he does with feeding and, and, and disaster areas. When you wake up in the morning, there isn't a bad day. You know why? Because there's somebody else having a worse day somewhere else. And you pick up the phone and, and, and social media and all these things are uplifting. So if we can do something, and, uh, and I try, and, and Justin's sitting over there somewhere, but he'll tell you, if I've got spare five minutes, we're doing something. I, and that's why I'm so busy. And people say, well, you can't contain that. You can't keep doing that. Well, I've been doing it for eight years. It's not changing because I get so excited about it. Uh, and I hope that, that that excitement from me is infectious to the people that we touch and, and changes their joy. And, and it, it's funny because this young girl that, that passed away, I'm still very close with her family, but it made a, it made a, a huge difference to her in her life. And when we did a Dinner Impossible, we were doing a Paul Newman camp as a special. And there was, a, you know, these are kids with, with living with terminal illness. And just to see their faces and... and uh, I had one young man who wasn't even at the camp, a 12-year-old guy came, uh, came with a book for me to sign. Mark Summers and myself, we stopped the filming. We showed him around and I said, is there something that you want to do that you can't do? And he said, well, I want to go on a pontoon boat. There's a pontoon boat literally five feet away from us. I said, well, why can't you? He said, well, they won't let me. And I said, who won't let you? It was a program director. I said, well, we changed that right now. The, the, the lake was five foot deep. I said, well, I'm six foot. I think we'll be all right. So I literally put him on there, his mom, his dad, his sister, and um, we went just potting around for an hour. And, and there's something, the mom started crying, the dad started crying, the sister started crying, and he was just looking at me like, I said, look at these guys, they're all crying, what are they crying for? You have cancer, who cares? You know, and, and to make light of it, instead of, 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 of dwelling on it, two weeks after he passed away, and I got a, I got a note from his mom, his grandmom, and that's all he could talk about for two weeks. 
Yeah, I get very, I get very emotional. I'm not that tough, but uh, it wasn't a hundred, it wasn't a million dollar check. No. It wasn't a trip to somewhere. No. You wanted to go on that boat that was five yeah. feet away from you, and you sent this yeah. kid off. Yeah, in, it was in a pretty. Good way. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah. So you've already accomplished so much. What's the north star for the Robert Irvine Foundation? Continue to do more work. Um, you know, there, there is so much need out there. We are, the foundation itself will continue to build homes, continue to, to, to do the, the transition program, the tragedy programs, all the things that we do. But for me, it's about education. You know, we, we're, we have a, an active duty force now of 1.4 million uh, men and women in our military. We have an obesity spend per year of 1.7 billion inside the military. So for me, I, I'm, I'm very blessed. I get to work with the chairman, the vice chairman, and all these folks to look at a feeding uh, project and how do we re-educate, how do we retrain the purchasing of food within that. And that was my goal. How do we make how do we make our military healthy? How do we make people have more fun? Kids and families got a new book with, with kids coming out. I, I mentioned that earlier, Fit Family. You know, just keep doing the same things, having fun. I, I, I like to have fun. I like to travel. I like to be educated myself and continue to be educated. So I think it's just more of that. Yeah. Let's do a fun, quick speed round here, and then we'll close it out. What did you have for dinner last night? I had uh, a burger. Name a smell in the kitchen you love. Uh, I used to hate it, but now cinnamon. Ooh. Name a smell in the kitchen you hate. Bad sewers <laughs> or, or bad fat, you know, uh, in the drain. What pisses you off in the kitchen? Mediocrity. Mm. What makes you happy in the kitchen? People having fun. What actor would you want to play Robert Irvine in a movie? Oh my goodness. If he could speak English, it would be Schwarzenegger. All right. <laughs> What's next for Robert Irvine? Well, we, we just finished this uh, trip, you know, a new travel channel uh, thing. We've got a new kids show with CBS. We've got some more Food Network shows working. The food line is going tremendous. We just launched iced tea and um, protein powders. We'll continue to purchase gyms. We have gyms, clothing. And again, all these, these things, we take a percentage of all the, the products that we do and it all goes into the foundation. So again, it, the more we do, the more we help people. And, and I just think continue having fun and living life. Awesome. Thanks a lot, man. You're, you're incredible, and it's really a joy to hear from you, and I'm really excited for people to, to check out this episode because for those who don't know what you're up to, I think their eyes are going to be wide yeah, open. Yeah, and, and we don't really talk about it. You know, people say to me, why don't you tell us more about all this stuff? And I'm like, well, it's not, it's not about me. It's about other folks, and I don't ever want my charity work to be the headliner of Robert Irvine. I just want people to, to go out and, and make a difference. If every one of us, right, did one good thing for somebody less fortunate every day, I will be in the most place in place. And it doesn't have to cost money. It could be listening, helping people across the, the road, opening a car door, just saying, hey, tomorrow's going to be a great day and give them a hug. Perfect. Thanks, man. All right, man. I appreciate it. Quote, if every one of us did one good thing for somebody less fortunate every day, our world would be an amazing place. Thanks again to Chef Robert Irvine. Find more on him at chefirvine.com. Join us next week when Beyond the Plate presents Just the Plate, a short segment where chefs describe a dish that is meaningful to them. Find me and keep up to date with this podcast across all social media platforms at On Cappy's Plate or go to beyondtheplatepodcast.com. Beyond the Plate is on Twitter at BT Plate Podcast and Facebook. Season two of Beyond the Plate is presented by Martin's Famous Potato Rolls. And a big thank you to our partner, IL8 by Flavor Gallery, who supplied all of our signature hats and t-shirts to our Beyond the Plate guests while we were down in Miami. 
These will be coming to the IL8 by Flavor Gallery site soon. And another little heads up, Robert Irvine has a new collection with Flavor Gallery, some super fun tequila-inspired t-shirts. So go to Flavor Gallery, that's F-L-A-V-O-U-R, flavorgallery.com to check those out. This episode was produced by myself, along with Ian Cohen, Joe Yeaton, and Sean Petrosian. Big thank yous all around, as always, and our music has been composed by Goldford. He recently teamed up with Space Primates and has a killer new song called My Life. So Google that one or find it on Spotify. As always, a special shout out to my wife, Katie. Please rate, review, and or subscribe to this podcast on your listening site of choice. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Plate. I'm Cappy, and remember... There are never too many cooks in the kitchen.